from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. Happy Fresh Fridays here on the G and Ursula Show. Angela Poe Russell is in for Ursula. Paul is in for Chef. And Brady is in for Nick. Chris Martin is doing traffic. We got a good, exciting show for you. Our guest that we do every single Friday at 10 o'clock is one of my favorite people in the world. From the Michael Medved Show, he joins us now. Good morning, Michael. Hey, good morning. Cold enough for you? It it is. And Michael, before we jump into our discussion, I have to tell you, I did take your advice and see American Fiction. So very good recommendation. Uh, Good. Terrific movie. It's going to be getting a lot of Oscar nominations, I think, and may win some of them. Nice. Okay, Michael, what were your thoughts about the debate between Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley? (laughs) Right. Oh, he's laughing. Uh, Michael, about why laugh. do you laugh? <laughs> it was a fun debate. It was a fun debate. Good debate, Michael. I, I think there was a lot of substance that came out in the debate, but basically, I think they both looked small. Really? Was and that because why? Because they spent all their time attacking one another. If uh, Nikki Haley had mentioned uh, the DeSantisLies.com, <laughs> one more time it was almost like she was getting uh, sort of a ring you, you on the old groucho mark show they used to have a thing where you said the magic word and then a little duck came down with cash money to give you money for the but really uh, for desantis lies and the the problem that i have is that obviously the republican front runner is donald trump and he got some criticism that was well-delivered, I think particularly by Ron DeSantis. But um, he largely escaped unscathed because he had a lot of softball questions in what he did with his uh, town hall meeting with um, Brett Baer and Martha McCallum on Fox. You know, several times during the debate, both, I, I think it was Nikki Haley who kept doing this. Well, you should ask Trump. Trump should be here. He sh- they, they did that a lot. Was that a good calculation to constantly point out that he should be there debating with them? Well, it is because maybe then more people will watch the debate. Uh, the numbers for the com- competition for the first hour, the debate was two hours. Trump's town hall was one hour. But for that one hour, uh, Trump got more than double the TV viewers that uh, DeSantis and uh, Nikki got. Well, maybe they were thinking if they acted like him, they would get more because maybe that was the reason for all the attacking. I don't know. Michael. Conceivable. Look, I I am encouraged. I think the most impressive thing this week Mm -hmm. was uh, Chris Christie's withdrawal. And his speech announcing his withdrawal was the best thing he'd ever done. If he had been more like that Chris Christie that was up there on stage announcing the suspension of his campaign, if more of his campaign had been in that tone about the seriousness of this election without playing political games, he might have had a more viable candidacy. What about the hot mic? Uh, the hot mic, like most hot mics, is kind of appalling. But what what he said, uh, it was it wasn't so shocking. It was basically just that he thought that uh, she, that Nikki Haley didn't have what it takes to defeat Trump. And there are a lot of people questioning that. 
and a lot of people taking that position. I do think it's very important for the republic, I mean, especially as the trials continue, and we're going to have a verdict, a final verdict, on this fraud trial in New York by the end of January, which is just two weeks. And it's hitting right in the middle of the early primaries. Uh, I think if Nikki Haley does win in New Hampshire, and the new polling shows that that's maybe not likely, but it's certainly possible, uh, I think that, that Trump is really in trouble, and certainly that that view of him being the inevitable GOP candidate will go away. Hey, hey, Michael. Who is Nikki, Nikki Haley? And before you answer that, let me, let me explain. Before 2016, I, paid it, I followed Nikki Haley. I thought Nikki Haley was great. As a matter of fact, so much so, it was early on in the running for president that Nikki Haley just did not like Donald Trump and anything that he was about. And then Donald Trump gets hired, you know, he wins the election. And then Nikki Haley feels like she kind of changed a lot. And now when I hear her speak, I feel a little bit of the old Nikki Haley coming back. So my question to you is this, which one is the real Nikki Haley? Well, I think the one who isn't sitting in the middle of a Trump administration where you're sort of stopped by the job you hold and the job you accepted from uh, giving your real emotions about Donald Trump. And she's playing games with that to some extent, like politicians do. I mean, her line is Trump was the right president at the right time, but he's not right for this time. And this also goes to Chris Christie. I went back last night. Mm -hmm and looked up the press conference that he appeared in in February of uh, 2016 when it was called a shock announcement when he became the first major Republican figure in the whole country to, I, uh, to endorse Donald Trump for president. And so now when he's kind of recognized who Trump is and the damage that he's done, it took him much, much too long. Mm. Well, let me ask you this. Um, the Chris Christie's exact where you were much kinder when you said it, saying that she would get beaten. He said she was going to get smoked. Um, a lot of folks are texting. Well, we had one person text. I heard a lot of folks saying yesterday that that whole hot mic thing was a, a thing was a ploy that it was planned. Do you buy that? No, because if if it had been planned, it wouldn't have been cut off right in the middle. And what does Chris Christie have to gain from any of this? I mean, the one thing that was impressive to me was I thought that in his withdrawing at this point was a demonstration of somebody doing what he talked about, which is caring more about the welfare of the country and more about the welfare of the Republican Party than he cares about his own future. Because his own future running for uh, high office is probably <laughs> very dim. Unless he wants to jump into that New Jersey Senate race for Bob Menendez's seat. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, so, bottom, but, so, so bottom, on the premise that she would get smoked, here's the thing. When I think about either of them going up for against Trump, I could see them both not faring well. I mean, let's face it, in terms of a debate. Um, I don't think DeSantis is a gifted debater. No, but he's gotten better each time. 
And you're still and kind. The, I love that. <laughs> no, I, I, the, the fact is that I, Ron DeSantis, uh, compared to Donald Trump, is uh, I mean, there, there it seems to me a, a, a real difference, and I honestly do not believe that Donald Trump is going to win the election if he is the Republican nominee. And I'm a Republican. I'd like to see a an acceptable Republican win. I think Nikki Haley is the best shot for that. But Ron DeSantis is also not quite a disaster or a threat to the country. I have on today on my radio show um, the Mark Esper, who is the former Secretary of Defense, mm-hmm. who has just said that he believes that Donald Trump is a threat to national security. Mm. Oh. Wow. All right, well, that's I'm a, a former defense secretary. Wow. So, okay, I'm still on... By the way, every time I say this, Michael, everybody kind of looks at me like I'm crazy. So I'm going to say it again. I said it to you last week. I'm going to say it again. I still think or don't think that Donald Trump will be the candidate for the GOP representing their party in the 2024 election. Something is going to happen to make sure, because I do, but I believe this, Michael, if he is, if he is the candidate, this will have huge uh, problems for the GOP. Not just that he won't win the election, but on state elections for governor, that's going to hurt really bad, especially here in the state of Washington. Do you think, understand where I'm coming from, and do you agree? I agree with you. Wow. I'm sorry sorry not to argue, (laughs) but uh, look, we have just begun with the convictions and the facing trial, and uh, we're talking about felonies, and I thought that uh, Chris Christie made a very strong element in his speech where he talked about the founding fathers and what they would think. And he talked about Thomas Jefferson and uh, James Madison and Benjamin Franklin, George Washington. He said, would they ever believe that we would accept a convicted felon as president of the United States? He said, no, if, if they had known or foreseen that, they would have added that to the qualifications for president. Let's see, you have to be a U.S. citizen. You have to be natural-born U.S. citizen. uh, citizen. Mm -hmm. You have to be 35 years old or more, and you have to be not a convicted felon. Right. I I also believe, Michael, uh, now, maybe I'm being naive, but I don't know. Can you feel the energy, like, a lot of people are, you know, embracing, like, oh, my goodness, here comes 2024. There's going to be a lot of rhetoric. All this kind of stuff is going to get crazy. I actually think the opposite. I really believe that people are tired. And this is going to go against Donald Trump as well. I think people are tired of the extremism. Oh, and by the way, there's some extremism on the left that's got me saying, what is y'all problem? I think that most people in this country, and we're, we're talking about most, not people that do this and talk about this for a living, most people that are voters are tired of the rhetoric and they just want simplicity going forward. Well, I think they want insanity going forward. I mean, my big slogan for 2024 would be make America sane again. Uh, and and I, here's what I'm thinking about, uh-huh. G, mm-hmm. is that the other day, 
they held up traffic on the I-5 and and parked cars to block other cars from going. It was five to six hours, and no one got arrested for it. This was the pro-Hamas demonstrators uh, who were out there. Yep. And uh, when you talk about extremism on the left, uh, that's part of what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Some, mm. some, sometimes it's not the destination you're going. Sometimes it's how you get get there. And that's another example of there's a lot of people that's like, no, that's not moving the needle for me. Yeah. You know, something else we were talking about recently related to the debate is the discussion about when you can get Social Security, raising the age of retirement. Mm. And, you know, Anderson Cooper really pressed Nikki Haley on this. And she said, yeah, people in their 20s should be prepared to work um, until they're 70. What was your reaction to to that? They had different ideas about it. DeSantis and Haley. Well, they had one candidate who was honest about it that would be Nikki Haley and another candidate who danced around and was not honest about it social security is broken it's scheduled to go broke and not be able to pay anybody anything in what eight years and they have to do something they did it before President Reagan did it before working with uh, Tip O'Neill when uh, he was Democrat and this is one of those things which has to be nonpartisan, bipartisan, and yes, not taking away promised benefits for people who are 50 or 40, but for people who are just entering the workforce, explaining that uh, there is going to have to be some adjustment, and probably the least painful way to do that is to extend the Social Security age to 70. Go! Yeah, I know. People <laughs> holler and scream. There has, there has to be another solution. I mean... Well, the other solution is raising Social Security taxes that everybody pays. You know, and, and again... Boy, crickets on that one, really. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, the, the one thing that could happen would be... Uh, right now, there's a, as you know, there's a, a limit. I think anything that you earn over, uh, what, 130000 something like that, mm-hmm. you don't pay Social Security taxes on. Uh, that's probably going to have to be raised. Right. And part of that would reflect some of the changes in inflation where that basically once upon a time what used to be considered wealth and luxury uh, is barely what you can get by with. Right. Real quick, before we get to the, uh, I want to, people are asking like, how can I listen to Michael? Before we get to that, Michael, can you give us someone in the Republican Party that you foresee being a big name after even this year? You know what I mean? Like someone, who is the up-and-comer? Who's the one that you're saying, oh, be ready, here they come? Well, I I do think that a guy I had on my show yesterday, Uh and by the way, people can find the show, the best way is go to michaelmedved.com. And there are ways that you can uh, stream it. Uh, you can uh, join us on a Substack. Uh, we have a podcast version, uh, or just uh, stream it live. And uh, again, going to michaelmedved.com and looking there, that will put you on the right track. But yesterday, I had on Governor Chris Sununu, who's had four terms as governor of New Hampshire, and the last time. 
he ran, he got the most votes that any candidate ever in the history of the state because he's very popular, he's a very good governor. And he's a young guy, he's tremendously energetic. Um, uh, he did say one thing yesterday after he was on my show, uh, which I found a little bit depressing. He was asked if he would vote for Trump if he were the nominee, even if he had felony convictions. And he said he would. Mm. And uh, maybe he had to say that. But think about it. I mean, felony convictions. Uh, And I I don't want to lock him up or put him in jail, but you got to take something like that fairly seriously. And the fraud trial that's going on right now, where we're supposed to have a judgment by the 31st of January of this month, it's it's getting pretty serious. And I think it's going to, and this is why I think you're right, what you're saying, G. Uh, this is going to impact a lot of Republicans. Even according to the polls, they're close to 10% who say that if Trump is convicted of any of these serious charges against him, that uh, folks wouldn't support him. Right. And I just want to jump in on a couple of things. People are debating with you on all the topics. You know, they have ideas for Social Security. And one thing we did want to point out is that something you said, I don't know if it was intentional, but you had said that we were, this is in relation to the protesters on I-5. And I, you had said pro-Hamas. And there are a lot of people that are like, they're calling for a ceasefire and being pro-Palestine. So I didn't know if you stand by that or if because that is what a lot no, of folks I stand are. by it because what Hamas is calling for is a ceasefire. But that doesn't mean uh, you're pro-Hamas if you agree that there should be a ceasefire. What it means is if you agree there should be a ceasefire without releasing the hostages, you're pro-Hamas. Mm, we'll agree to disagree on that. <laughs> okay, the hostages <laughs> I, have to be released. Oh, I agree. You know what? I agree. I, I absolutely agree with that. Ab- for sure. And I just think that in all of these topics, there's so much... Um, you know, we can be left, right, you know, black, white, but there's some gray area. And I think that releasing the hostages, I'm hoping that all of us would agree that that needs to happen for sure. Uh, and I wish that Hamas would agree because then that would happen. Yeah. So thank you. It was so great having you on. Medved.com. Head there right now so you can go and keep up with Michael at all times. Michael, you're one of my favorite people in the world, brother. Well, uh, thank you, and I'm so glad we agree that we're going to have a a more meaningful choice than just Trump versus Biden. Hey, Michael, what are we going to do, man? We've been agreeing a lot lately. we got to figure something out, man. (laughs) What's going on? What's going on? Thanks, Michael. We just have to have more time to argue. (laughs) All right, have a good weekend. Coming up up next, uh, what was your plan for your retirement job? Sam's Club has taken mine away. I'll tell you what that is next. Gina Slope. Here on the GNR Show, Angela Paul Russell is in. I'm mad. Angela, I'm so mad because I always plan this. And okay, now let me be serious for a second, but all but also at the same time, it's a little joke, but I'm serious. I always had a plan to do this when I retire. Because I've always just felt a good spirit from the folks that do this. Let me explain. 
As we all know, AI continues to be a big topic of conversation, especially when it comes to the job hunt and chatbots, right? Well, Sam's Club is reportedly going to do away with the receipt checkers that are right there at the door as you get ready to leave, checking your receipt. Instead, they are going to have an AI scan your cart on the way out. These are things that I plan to do. I'm being serious. I wanted to be the checker with, hey, how you doing, Miss Jenkins? Good to see you. Hey, little Roscoe. Come on in. Let me check your receipt. Oh, good to see you. All that kind of stuff. I think I would be doing well at that. But now, if Sam's Club is starting, you go through and scan, and I bet you an AI scan would be much better than a 66-year-old G. Scott checking because I I'm not really checking. Well, I'm kind of checking, but I'm more just having conversation. The AI scan, I believe, will do a better job than a receipt checker, and it makes me sad. We're going to move you to the greeter zone. So out from the receipt checker, you're going to be the (laughs) greeter zone. I have never liked, okay, no offense to the receipt checkers. Like, I love you. I just don't like your job. I hate going out and feeling like the person in front of me, they just let go. And then they sit with me for like five minutes checking every single thing. Mm. I hate wondering why are you picking on me? So let the AI do it. It could be like self-checkout in the grocery store. And, you know, you'll have some problems, but they'll have an employee. You can stand there and be ready to respond when the AI messes up. How about that? I'm a hypocrite. Because everything you just said, I am that way as well. Really? You just wanted to be a, a receipt checker. Yeah, but I, I think I, you wanted power. I wanted to be the receipt checker because it's an opportunity for me to talk to people. Aww. At the same time, I cannot stand the receipt checker because I swear when I come there, it is a little extra longer with me. But that's <laughs> sometimes I'm in my head. Paul, what are you how are you feeling about this? You know, I, I'm I, I, I don't know if I have the same experience. I'm a I'm a new Costco member, so I'm I'm still getting the uh, the the experience of, of going out there. But man, the lines get really backed up and go really far with everyone having to get their receipts checked out, especially mm-hmm. when you're going on those prime times. And um I, I'm I, I think the the AI will be fine. We've seen Amazon has the technology where people have come and gone and I've done it at Climate Pledge you know, go in there and walk in and walk out. But I don't know. I worry about these type of jobs. They're small, but they they give the people, the workers, that social interaction. They give them a little bit of money. And is it, it I've never had one of those receipt checkers take that long. I've had some, you know, go through and look. I, I bought a TV from, mm. from Costco a couple months ago. And so that's when they really wanted to make sure they were taking their time and looking at my stuff. But I'm more worried about those 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 folks that need that simple job. They mm-hmm. want to come in for four hours, check some receipts, and that's their day. Speaking mm. of AI, did you all know that uh, they want chatbots to teach your kids? So check this out. Sal Khan, the founder of the online learning portal Khan Academy, says we're at the cusp of using AI for probably the biggest positive transformation that education has ever seen. And the way we're going to do that is by giving every student on the planet an artificially intelligent way, but an amazing personal student. So you will have an AI personal tutor coming up in the future Angela, your yes, thoughts. Uh, yeah, I'm really sad that in some cases tutors won't, we'll, maybe we won't need as many human tutors, but 
What I love about this is everyone can't afford a tutor. And tutors, when I've been able to hire them for my kids, have been amazing. They have made a difference in their lives. And I've noticed, and I definitely have admitted to myself, this isn't fair. Everyone should be able to have access to this. Khan Academy has been a leader in terms of trying to level the playing field and offering test prep and things like that. And so being able to have someone something, someone, I don't want to give a human value to AI, but to be able to have a software or tool that everyone can use, no matter your income is a beautiful thing. And I will add to this, that what makes this tutor thing really intriguing is that if let's say if you're studying for one of these standardized tests, AI could probably go through all the different books on it and determine what you really need to focus on, which might be more challenging for a human to do. So this could actually make test prep better and more access. I look at it as this is a great opportunity for AI to be used as a tool. I think the best situation would be a tutor with the AI. But I, I'm with you 100%. If this gives – think about our public school systems with how overcrowded our classroom sizes are, how much little interaction kids actually get with maybe a tutor, counselor, something like that. This gives them a, a little bit of an access, it's a, a resource that they might not have had before. And this also gives them an extra resource at school. Maybe they have issues, internet insecurity at home, for example. But when they're at school and they're able to use that AI, they're not relying solely on going to get that teacher time. They can do it. They have all the access, get what they need to get all there using the AI. But it's another thing where I wish AI was used as a tool with a person versus yeah. just here's the AI. And here's a great thing I'll add about that. The one the thing that AI can't do is one thing my daughter got out of tutoring. She has ADHD and her tutor happened to also have the same thing and was able to relate to her, encourage her and say, here's how you can think about it. Work with your brain. That, that's something that might be more challenging for AI to do. But I love your idea of both. G, what were you going to say? I was going to say this. Um, Other than that, the AI could probably give us good encouragement. No, no, no <laughs> doubt about it. But I guess it's all on how you learn. Right. Mm. We all learn in different ways. I'll go back to our discussion that we had. I told you, I said, mm, I don't know if I could do TV because of the script part, right? And I had this teacher, Mr. John Pagan, may he rest in peace, who was my uh, history teacher in the 11th grade. And I'll never forget this. And the reason why history to this day is my favorite topic is because of Mr. Pagan. Aww. Right. The first day he comes in, he walks in, he's in front of the class, and he has the history book. Now- on the syllabus, on there, for before you go to the class, it was a syllabus, this history book for this class, like in every other class that you get ready to go to the beginning. The first day, he says, hey, you guys, you see this history book? I never want to see it in my classroom ever again. That's garbage. He says, we're going to learn history in this classroom. No textbook. What that did for me, finally, it was like, oh, Really? I was interested in every single topic in history. The reason why I bore you telling that story because I have to give you context. Theodore Roosevelt says, and I put this on my email all the time, people don't care how much you know until they find out how much you care. While AI, I believe, might help some who's like, hey, I don't want to deal with people. I just want to learn it this way. I'll stand on a pedestal, on a stage, on a mountaintop, and I'll tell you this. Someone, a person, will teach that topic better than AI ever will.
Because there's something about, hey, Angela, I see you're frustrated right now. You're not understanding that. What are you confused about? Right. That stopped. Yeah, exactly. And hey, let me ask you that. Hey, I can't do that. AI can't tell you if you're frustrated. AI can't see that for the last two days you haven't been paying attention. AI can't see that, hey, are you okay? You were late today. You're not usually late. Everything go- going okay? Yeah. Those are the things. I hate they real get deep on this topic because there are certain topics that I will just stay on the surface, but this topic really gets to me. And I'm telling you, AI will do some things, but it will never replace that person. I so hope you're right, G. I'm not really right about a lot of things, so there you go. (laughs) Coming up next in scenarios, we're going to be talking about a lady that writes in and she says, wait a minute. We were supposed to get more money back on our taxes and our husband messed it up. Well, what is that about? We'll do that next. Angela Paul Russell in for Ursula's G and Ursula Show. Friday, y'all. You guys cold? Did you pull out your big coat today? I just want to say I pulled out a decent sized coat today, and you know what? For some reason, when I walked out, it wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be. I, okay, I'm not saying it's not cold, but have you, you ever walk outside and you're expecting like, oh, I'm gonna brace myself, and I was like, oh, wasn't that bad? All right, let's get to scenarios. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what? So what? So what's the scenario? like I've been portrayed. My husband and I have been married for over three years, and every year we've been married, we've been always getting a tax refund. Well, this year we aren't going to. He just told me. Turns out that we actually owe some money, and when I asked my husband why, he said, well, we made more money last year. That makes no sense at all, as both of us still have the same jobs and didn't get any raises. He got a few bonuses, but nothing over the top. I kind of blew it off, and then yesterday I saw our tax returns, and I just flipped out. It turns out that on paper, we did make more money because he took out of his 401k a lot of money, $40,000. This is where it gets even messier. I didn't know about it and used it to invest in a startup company, and apparently the company flopped, so we lost all of that. Well, the good news is if you take that money and you invest in another company, you do you get uh, waived the taxes. But anyway, that's another story. Uh, let me be clear. We have never, and I mean never, had any issues or arguments over finances, ever. We've always been upfront and open about big purchases. So when I told him I felt betrayed, he says, it's my 401k, not yours. We've been saving for a new house, and now $40,000 is gone. Just like that. It's always been an us thing. I have a great career that pays well, and I have my own retirement plan, but I would never do something that drastic and not discuss it with him first. I have no idea how to handle this. I just kind of left it at, well, it's my loss, not yours. It's what his mentality is. Really? I need help. 888-973-5476 is the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Angela, you up the bat first. Okay, you ever been in a relationship, you're going along, everything's fine, and all of a sudden, whoa, something happened. And you're like, I was not expecting this, did not see that coming. I call it the famous jack-in-the-box. This, my friend, is a jack-in-the-box. Everything's going fine. You're all fine. You're only three years into the marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, ideally, you think you know someone, right? This is a huge breach of trust since you guys typically do things together. What... My initial advice was going to be, hey, go to marriage counseling and work this through. 
when his reaction was, it's my money, it sounds like you guys have major philosophical differences. This is a major red flag. This is a classic jack in the box. I am very concerned about their future. I have one caveat, one PS. What's that? I think it depends on where you are in your relationship, how old you are. For example, if you're three years in and you're just getting started in life, it's very different than, let's say, my situation where I'm remarried later in life. We have things we've had on our own for some time. It's very different. They are building something and trying Uh to get a house. Right. This is, this is not good. Okay. Um, What do you got, brother? Uh, Jack? Black? <laughs> I was, I was Paul. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I took this as a great lesson for someone who's getting married this year and as is getting into going into planning these group finances things. Because if you were doing something like a house and everything was coming together and everything you've done up to that point was together, I'd be really this would be something big. That's a huge chunk of money to lose out on. But I have to learn when do you start crossing over that gap between what's my 401, you know, what's my 401k versus your 401k? When do you really come together to make? Is it only just this pool of money? I have a lot. I feel like I have a lot to learn, and and this is a, a scenario that that has me going in you a whole bunch of different directions. You have to discuss this in advance. And the bigger issue, G, is why didn't he feel comfortable, or why didn't he share? That he wanted to invest in this startup. That's if if your if your partner is your friend, you'd be like, hey, right. I'm gonna like invest in this company. What do you think? What if I, you know, like that the way the the fact that that conversation didn't happen right. is a red flag. Agree. I'm with Angela. Forty. I'm just gonna take forty thousand dollars out of my 401k so I can invest in this startup. Sounds like to me. I want to hear about this startup. Was this a gambling startup? Was this a strip club startup? It, some ain't right. It's a, a lot of money. A lot of money. Now, technically, yes, when you're married, in your in your marriage, you can maybe come out there and say, well, the 401k is mine. And she could say, the 401k is theirs. All those things. But when you're married, and you, I mean, that means that everything is together. So if something were to happen to one of you, that other person is going to be like all of that stuff is going to be left to that yeah, other person. Yeah, right. I can't speak for everyone else. I think everybody else, especially with finances, Angela, I think we can agree. Everybody has different ways of going about things. Now, if I pers- if I go and I want to buy a pair of shoes, I don't check with my wife to buy a pair of shoes. If I want to take $40,000 out of my 401k, I'm going to check with my wife and like, hey, here's the plan. Here's why I plan on doing it. Here's what's going on. Because I want her to know. You know what I mean? But that's a little on the ridiculous side. Now, I know you don't have any uh, music or anything like that, do you, Brady? Just making sure. I don't have any music? Yeah. Well, it's just a whole thing that Nick does. That's all. Oh, no. Okay. I'm not that cool. Go we, need, we need a song for this scenario. No, no, no. no, no I'm just kidding. Oh, but, what about Bruno Mars? Run, run, get away. No, <laughs> no, but, no. But, but being serious, back to this topic on that, I think it is a huge red flag that he doesn't understand that these implications can impact your spouse, right? And so if you're going to be making a move, yeah, technically it's your 401k, but if you're going to be making some type of move financially like this, yo, you got to at least say something. And, and how important is this startup? If you don't say anything to your wife. Right. Yeah. So so the question is, what should she do? Um, my thing, I would say go to counseling. If he refuses to go to counseling, I would consider getting out and thank God that you got out early. Mm-hmm. 
because at a yep. certain point, someone's poor financial decisions gonna do will take you down. Yep. And it is not pretty. All right. Coming up next, we do agree to disagree. It is the Gino Show.